For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe, Voices State Football, Kingdom of Pod. Jeff Caves here coming to you from Flower Mound, Texas, getting ready for the Colorado State, Boise State game in Albertson Stadium. Let's take a look at some of the more latest information, and everybody wants to know who's going to play quarterback. Sometimes I look at that whole process and have a little different attitude towards it. I'll get into that. Plus, we'll talk about the health of the program financially, uh, talk about the track record that Brian Harson had, has had in responding to situations where Boise State is now. Also, why Hank Bachmeyer is not the answer to save the Boise State defense. And all of that uh, coming up in uh, this edition of the Boise State Football Kingdom of Pod. I do want to help uh, ha- ask you to help me out to rate, review, subscribe to the Kingdom of Pod. You can go to the website, kingdomofpod.mailchimpssites.com uh, or... You can also just shoot me an email at jeffcase54 at gmail.com, and I can get you onto the subscription list, and these pods will be emailed to you if you rate it at wherever you download your uh, podcast. That always helps grow this, and the more Boise State football grows, uh, the faster they're going to get to where maybe they want to be and uh, down the line. So thanks for doing that. I appreciate you guys listening. Spread the word. If uh, you said, yeah, I heard he's doing uh, some Boise State football podcast, we'll just uh, send them. Uh, something along and they can take a look at it. Well, whether or not Boise State's quarterback situation is back to Hank Bachmeyer and something that's familiar with for the team and for the fans, uh, I do think that it certainly matters. Uh, there is no definitive information about uh, Sears or Hank's availabilities or we would assume Finnegan, Finnegan is, is going to be fine to play should they have to go that direction. But here's why I think it's Hank Bachmeyer. I think that if you look at just what Trevor Lawrence was going through uh, in Clemson, he was on the sidelines. Everybody's asking questions, you know, how could he be positive and potentially contagious and still be on the sidelines? Uh, Well, there's a protocol in the ACC that essentially states that after you have gone through a like seven day isolation period, then you come out and you've got to get tested for myocarditis, this uh, potential heart uh, challenges that athletes may or may not have had, and you got to pass tests. And so when you're in that state, you're okay uh, in this 10-day cycle. So I think that's, if I'm looking at Hank, the way he was moving on the sideline and what I saw, uh, uh, to me, it didn't appear like he had any physical ailment. So I'm going to say that's my hunch. And so I think Hank Bachmeyer will be out there come Thursday night at Albertson Stadium. Halani, I have no idea. Uh, much more difficult to guess. The Boise State team has a short week this week with Colorado State. Then they have a nine-day break before they get over to the islands in Hawaii. And maybe that's something more where you would target for Halani's return. 
and and so that may be uh, what happens there. Don't forget if you have a thought, an angle on this Boise State Colorado State game. I've seen lines as high as 18 points, which you know is very tempting. Uh, I think the lines coming down now closer to 15, 16 points. Um, I don't know. I, I look at things like that and think, man, I have not done so well this year uh, with the spread, but I do like Boise State uh, in this game, and I do think they'll cover this spread. If you want to do your own betting, uh, go to betonline.ag today and take advantage of their sign-up bonuses. Betonline.ag. Sign up today and start betting tomorrow. One of the bigger questions about this Bronco football team will be, how are they going to respond? And, you know, Brian Harson's the guy uh, that leads them through these types of situations. It's his instructions. It's uh, his orders to all his coaches and how they talk to the players. And it, it matters. So when I looked back at Harson's track record and how they respond after these kinds of performances like what they had against BYU, it's really pretty favorable. 2018. Uh, just recently, they go to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and get beat pretty bad, 44-21. to They come back with a game on the road against Wyoming, and they win 34-14. to In 2017, they lose at home to Virginia. And what was a disastrous game? We forget about that one. But uh, while the final was 42-23 to at one point, going into the fourth quarter, it was 35-14 to Virginia over Boise State. And again... 2017 after that shellacking they had to go on the road and they won they beat BYU 24 to 7 in Provo in 2015 it was that horribly ugly loss in Logan Utah the score against Utah State in 2015 was 45 to 10 Boise State was losing they ended up losing that game getting doubled over 52 to 26 they went back home and they beat Wyoming uh, 34 to 14 in 2015, that's the last time I can find that Boise State suffered a blowout loss other than a bowl game like the Baylor Bowl game and did not come back the next week and win because they had back-to-back home losses in 2015 to New Mexico and Air Force. To me, uh, the low point for the Brian Harson era of Boise State football. Now, can it all get better from there? Of course it can. Uh, what kind of mental you know, state, is this team in? Well, uh, usually these kids bounce back. Uh, I think that it's too bad that they don't have the boost from uh, the fans that are not going to be in the stands. That usually uh, gives the kids a a boost. That's not going to be the case here. So I would anticipate a similar response uh, to to all of this. Um, And I I hope that as you listen to this, uh, you are in good health and that you are able to Uh, stay out of the COVID-19 harm's way as we sort of barrel on down into a Thanksgiving holiday. But in looking at Boise State and their COVID health, I mean, we're in to some very critical times uh, for the university at large and, of course, the football program as well. Uh, Not only do all of us, you know, start thinking about uh, Christmas and how much money we have to spend and uh, what kind of year we're going to have in 2021 well Boise State's in the same situation and I think news that there could be a vaccine is extremely healthy and that's positive for everybody if we can have something like that I think it would really open the floodgates for a lot of the industries that have been hurt 
by COVID and, and football is certainly in that entertainment business. And if you look at starting to sell season tickets for 2021, it's, it's really the first six months of 21 that that needs to happen. And that affects the cash flow for Boise State as people make deposits and guarantee their seats. If there's any doubt about it, I think that's potentially very dangerous uh, for the athletic department. And I, I look at it right now financially and don't quite understand how they are making their ends meet. Uh, there was the lack of the NCAA basketball tournament funds there uh, that have been uh, taken away and then a tremendous amount of financial loss with no fans in the stands. So, um, so far they've been able to manage with the types of furloughs and cutbacks that they've had. So that's, that, that's positive uh, that we haven't had anything worse than that. But if you're looking at next season's home schedule, UTEP, and Oklahoma State, Air Force, and Wyoming all coming into Albertson Stadium, of course, led by the return of the Cowboys, who are having a great year this year. Uh, San Diego, Fresno, Nevada, two of those three should be coming. So going to shape up to be a tremendous home schedule. Let's hope that when they go to market trying to get people to join them and make the commitment to season tickets, they've got the green light to get that done. At the same time, uh, there has to be a lot of planning for Boise State right now and how they're going to handle things uh, with COVID and this scholarship situation. So the NCAA has said, okay, this year doesn't count. Everybody can come back that wants to. So if you're a junior this year, you're a junior next year. You don't have to burn a red shirt year. Uh, most importantly, if you're a fifth-year senior you would have a chance to have another season. So who knows? Whitney can come back and play again. And there are some very positive things for Boise State and, and really for a lot of different schools out there. I would think schools that have a great season uh, would really have uh, a, a tremendous opportunity if they can get a lot of their seniors to be able to come back. But it's going to depend on – what the school's financial situation is at Boise State and every other school and how they're going to handle it. Right now at 247 Sports, uh, Boise State's got 16 uh, commitments right now for the class of 2021. And when you go past that, uh, you see that they've got 23 graduating seniors. So that tells you typically they have room for at least uh, seven more to commit by December or perhaps into the February signing period of 2021 to report for the fall of 2021, or if they sign in December to report in the spring of 2021, as long as the calendar stays the same for practices and that type of stuff. But if you look at that and say, all right, well, uh, that's normal, but you're going to have all these seniors staying. So does that take away from the scholarships that you can grant? Not, not That's not the case. The NCAA has granted these schools the waiver and the chance to go over and above their normal uh, scholarship limits. So then it comes down to gender equity and uh, gender equity says you can, you know, only have so many more men on or boys on scholarship than girls. And so you have to take that into consideration. Additionally, uh, how much can the school afford? Uh, the more out of state uh, tuitions that you're offering, uh, the less money you have, per se, budgeted for other things. And I realize uh, these dollars are on campus, and typically if Boise State has a scholarship kid coming in from California, 
the rest of the campus benefits from that and not only the housing but the tuition that the athletic department is responsible for kicking over to the other side of the campus. Uh, maybe there's some finessing that can happen with the budget to make that a little bit easier. But uh, this will be an issue for Boise State and for many other schools to uh, figure out. So as we head into the heavy recruiting season, it'll be uh, interesting just to see how many different uh, schools can take the full allotment of scholarships. Uh, everybody has a little different gender equity situation. And then it really comes down to everybody has a lot different financial situation and how soon their lack of funds is going to become a, an issue for them. I, no word yet on whether Boise State's going to be able to totally max out and add a 23-member cla class and then have every senior come back as well and be able to afford all that. I would think for... Some of the seniors that are going to stay, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those seniors are asked to take a partial scholarship. And, uh, yeah, you can stay, but here's all we can afford, but it's still something, and you, you're old enough to work or do other things. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those kinds of accommodations are made, but uh, for now I think uh, that's probably uh, where we're headed. They just got to get to the answers of all of this stuff. And without an athletic director, a little bit tougher to, to get these kinds of answers right now. It's going to be up to Dr. Trump maybe uh, to make some of those decisions. We'll get to the scouting report and breakdown of Colorado State's defense and offense here in just a second. This is the Believe Podcast Network, the Boise State Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Caves. You're listening to the Kingdom of Pod. All right, let's break down the Boise State-Colorado State matchup first. Let's do a little scouting and take a look at the Colorado State defense. Uh, Colorado State was really in control the whole way against Wyoming. They kind of cruised into a 34-24 victory. Uh, their defense is what got the turnovers early, and that led to these 14 points in the first quarter. I think anytime you get a team like Wyoming up 14 uh, on them, 14 nothing, they, they don't want to throw to come from behind. That's not how they're built. That's not – necessarily what they're there to do they want to control the tempo and ground it out and then uh, some play action off of that so I think it was a great opportunity for Colorado State and they took advantage of it they got those turnovers uh, Wyoming though did move the ball they ended up with 465 yards of offense uh, but Wyoming had three turnovers and eight penalties and uh, that's not going to get it done and if I look at it, though, and say, okay, uh, you know, what, what kind of defense is, is Colorado State uh, playing? I, I think they're, they're playing well at the linebacker position, specifically Carter and Jackson had big games. There are a couple of kids from Georgia and Florida. Uh, they're a combination of uh, good things, that guys that can run, they're fast. And so if you can't get up to the second level of, as, as a offensive lineman to – uh, sort of cut them off or slow them down, it's going to be tough to run the football for Boise State. And, uh, we all know how important that is uh, with George Lonnie or without him. It's probably even more important to have bigger holes if it's just Van Buren back there because he, he needs a little bit more help. He's not as escapable as Halani is. So um, Boise State's going to have to run the football for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Colorado State will, like a lot of schools, put their safeties closer to the line of scrimmage or at least one of them and then uh, sort of creep up from there. And um, if Boise State can make that safety come into the box, it's just a lot easier to throw deep. And I think they've proven that they've got enough guys to be able to throw 
uh, a catch the long ball and win those matchups. And I think that if it is Hank Bachmeyer, we, we know he can launch it, or Sears, uh, who's proven that he can throw the long ball. So I think it's uh, really critical that they run the football so that you can get a little bit more advantage throwing the deep ball against Colorado State. And the point I want to make about this whole idea that, that you know everything will be fine if Hank comes back, I, 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 I just don't subscribe to the notion that one guy can save the other 21. Uh, Boise State's defense, uh, I thought, uh, for the majority of that game against BYU, wasn't gassed. I thought they had every opportunity to play well and uh, had enough guys show up. Yeah, they didn't get enough pressure on Wilson, but that's on them. They didn't get enough pressure on Wilson. Either the players that were there uh, aren't capable of it or weren't capable of it on that particular night, but it didn't happen, and he was given way too much time and was not disrupted enough in the third quarter, I thought they did a great job in the first half and were right in that football game. But to expect that the entire season or team's going to change just because one guy is coming back, I, I just don't think that's how it works. And I also don't believe that the team subscribes to that either. I don't think um, you know Hank demands that. I, I think he's got more of a team attitude and uh, he's done some great things at Boise State already, some comeback wins, and and so that's that that's all good. But I just don't think we should all get all lulled into sleep thinking that you know Hank's going to save the defense. The defense has to save themselves. They're going to have to come up with some better uh, play on the defensive line. But I'll, I'll get into that. But offensively, would would they improve with Hank? Whoo, that is a understatement. They would improve uh, with Hank Bachmar. Boise State's uh, defensive effort. Uh, against Colorado State is going to have to start in the trenches in the front seven because you know when Adazio got the job there in Colorado State at his presser, he talked about the fact that you got to run the ball and we believe in running the ball and that's how he's going to do it. So we know Colorado State likes to ground chuck it out, so that's what they're going to do. If you've got about, I looked at their stats, about 20% of the time they're running the ball more than throwing it. They've got a suitable quarterback in O'Brien. Uh, he's not too nimble in the pocket. I know I was reading and reminded that last year he would face pressure and step up into it and take too many sacks rather than try to step it, sidestep it, and move outside of it. Uh, he can throw the ball deep, but really I think he's going to be looking for a 6'4", 260-pound tight end, uh, Trey McBride. That's Colorado State's best weapon. I think that is going to be a very key person for Boise State. Uh, can they cover him? The Boise State safeties are on alert now after a pretty rough outing uh, against BYU, and they're going to have to corral Trey McBride and not let him uh, be running down the seams in the middle of the field. The play-action pass sometimes to a tight end is extremely effective, and so you better shut down that run game so that's not such a big uh, fear. But play-action to me is a big issue. They've got their own version of Shakir and Dante Wright. Uh, they'll fly sweep him. They'll get him the ball in his hands. They'll just throw it out to him and see if he can make somebody miss. Uh, defensive personnel-wise for Boise State, though, there's a big difference on that D-line when Scaly Gihan can play. And when he's not in there, there's a big difference. So I don't know if he feels good to start games and then as games go on, whatever's wrong with his leg or whatever. 
uh, hurts him. But I think there's a big difference when he's not in there. They need that push in the middle of the line. I think Matlock and him are as good a tackle tandem as I've seen uh, in the Mountain West. So without him, uh, it's it's a drop-off. Uh, Cravens, Freeborn, uh, they got to get more out of those kids. And it's not always, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. And then the safeties, the Skinners, Tyreek Jones, Conejo, uh, they're going to have to get better on both pass and run defense uh, from the way they played against BYU because they're all going to be called upon. Uh, they're going to have to play the run and at the same time honor where Colorado State is uh, headed with play-action passes to Trey McBride, who you'll probably see running on Sundays uh, come this fall. So they've got their work cut out for them and handling him. Uh, Colorado State, though, will try to be physical and control things. If Hank Bachmeyer, they know, is the quarterback at Boise State, then I'm sure they'll take note of all that and and understand what Boise State's game plan may be, depending upon if Colorado State gets early or not and so forth. So I, at the end of the day, still like Boise State uh, by almost three touchdowns in this game. I do think they'll be able to nullify Colorado State. I like Harson's track record at coming back in games, and I, I like how he do he does that. I, I think that if you look at that track record, you'll notice they bounce back strong. And I don't feel like this is another New Mexico Air Force situation. So I'm going to go with Boise State there, something in the neighborhood of 45 uh, to 28. Big story out of Logan, Utah, is that Gary Anderson has been let go as the head football coach just a few games into the season. Utah State finds himself now looking for yet another new coach. Anderson lasting, what, a year and a couple of games after replacing Matt Wells for his second stint. Al Lewis, longtime play-by-play announcer for Utah State. KVNU Radio joins me to get more perspective on What's next at Utah State, and what happened at Utah State? Tell me a little bit about this decision. Did it come from, uh, was it a bolt out of nowhere, Al, uh, to, to, to you before we asked to the fans, just about you and, and what, how you see it? Okay, well, I would say for me, uh, I'm surprised that it happened now. Uh, if you watch Gary Anderson in this particular stint at Utah State, he is not the same uh, enthusiastic on the field as he was from before. And I think that bothered a lot of us Aggie fans. I mean, I know Gary very well, and I know he loves players and he loves being around the guys. But uh, with what was happening on the field, I'm sure it was bothering him a lot. And it sounds like he and the athletic director would meet regularly and discuss things. And I'm sure the discussion always came up of, hey, look, even back to last year, a couple of games involving Mountain West teams and the Aggies, we were not competitive in those games. And that's a pretty fast drop from being 11 and two and in the top 20 from the year before he took over. So I think that was constantly going on. And I think that there, uh, it came to the point where the athletic director says, I'm going to make a move. And I don't know if Gary really stood in the way. Gary told me he has no hard feelings, doesn't blame anybody but himself. I'm responsible for everything on the field is what he said, but he's going to continue to live here in Logan. He's going to live out his life in Logan. At least that's intention. Uh, he wants to be a grandpa here in Logan. He's got two new grandsons in the last couple of years. And so he's just kind of looking forward to that. I'm just thinking maybe eventually this whole big-time football stuff at Wisconsin and Oregon State soured him enough that he maybe wasn't the same guy to be a head football coach. So that's what you're saying. Basically, he 
and, and what you're getting from is he lost the appetite to to be involved and and maybe the scrutiny is was he I don't know if he's thin or skinned Al, but it, is he that kind of guy and and is this athletic director maybe w- was trying to get involved in what was going on behind the scenes a little bit more okay well I think this ad to be honest Jeff with you I don't know if this ad I think a lot of boosters and and uh, people around the program said, hey, if Gary Anderson's available, we need to hire him to be the coach. And I don't know if that's exactly the way John Hartwell wanted to go, who's the athletic director. Mm-hmm. And and John wanted to probably hire his own guy. So I'm sure there was always that. And then it didn't start off well. I don't think it's thin-skinned about Gary. I think he still loves the players. But there's so much more now involved in being a coach. Uh, and now even more with this COVID-19 this year. I think it just completely distracted him from practice and meetings with the players. And I think that's what he has loved his defensive line in the defensive line room with the defensive linemen all the time. I think that's what he really relishes. And I don't think that was really lifting him up enough. And then when you lose games like that, it's just hard. Uh, I don't know. It's not really, he stepped away. He would have continued to do it, but I don't know how much longer after this year, Gary would have continued to do it. How bad was it? A bad we have right now, I would say uh, my analysis, and, and we do a pregame and postgame on our radio station. Our analysis right now is that we have no offense and we have no defense. And when you're in that kind of position in football, it's not very good. Wow. From, from what you can see, I mean, in the past, A, he's, he's had great track record recruiting Mormon missionaries and uh, Polynesian kids and has, has talked about that. And so te- that tells me sometimes, Al, that the offensive and defensive lines are going to eventually be pretty solid. Um, but mm-hmm. maybe it took Gary a little bit to, to get geared back up because, you know, Matt was either one foot out the door or already at Tech. I don't know the state of the cupboard and how empty or, uh, you know, what was up there because they'd had so many good years here recently. But what did he have to work with? Well, uh, we are one of the youngest football teams in the country, and there's no excuse because everybody ran into the same thing with COVID-19. We're a definite top-of-the-line development program at Utah State. You've got to get guys in here as young kids and work on their bodies and work on their minds, and there's no doubt that the COVID thing really entered in in our areas of defensive line. Our offensive line is a little more veteran, and we were not giving up a lot of sacks or anything like that, but we just could not move the football with where they're at. I think the quarterback positions made a lot of deal. I mean, when you when you lose Jordan Love and then you go to other guys, and Henry Columbia decided to transfer C out of here, and he would have been the quarterback uh, this year. And they brought in Jason Shelley from Utah just because he had one more year to go, and I think they thought he could be in here. And I don't know if they they didn't promise Jason Shelley the job, and I don't think they told Henry Columbia that Jason Shelley is going to be the guy, but he left and went to Matt Wells at Texas Tech, and he's starting right now down there. He would have made a difference for us. He's a better passer uh, and all. But they have a brand-new offensive coordinator. Just everything with the COVID and not having off-season and development and weight training and all these things with guys on campus, I just think it really compounded in a bad way to have a bad combination for Utah State this year. Al Lewis, former uh, play-by-play man with uh, Utah State and now at KVNU and Logan. Uh, Hartwell, who has that Troy uh, background, I didn't know if he'd be around this long. I thought he was going to be a climber and out of there. Financially, Al, kind of a big deal to make this move in COVID, right? And and owe some money and all that? Well, yeah, and, I, and I'm sure that some of those people who 
came forward and said, hey, uh, Mr. Hartwell, we need to hire Gary Anderson, they're probably going to be a little responsible now to maybe pay some of that bill down the future uh, for Gary Anderson. I don't know how much more. I mean, he walked away, Gary did, from Oregon State without demanding any more of his money on his contract from there. So I don't know exactly how financially he's sitting or what he really relishes. Gary's well enough off uh, that I think he feels very comfortable about things. He is tr- he just loves the players. That's the biggest thing is around the players. That's what really does motivate his engines all the time to keep him going. And and so now he's going to try to do that with grand uh, kids and family. And he has, let's face it, I'm sure his wife, Stacy hasn't seen a lot of him uh, the last little while. So that'll be a new deal uh, to be more around the home. But uh, when he came back here from Oregon State, I got the feeling that maybe he was going to get out of coaching. And then he got back in at Utah. And then he decided, okay, Utah State's open. Let's look at it. And, and some of his friends from up here said, hey, let's hire you back. I'm one of his friends. I, would, I, was, I was excited to get him back here. But it just wasn't the same addition the second time around. So, Al, as you spin it forward, how long until they hire somebody? And is it going to be right down to Weaver and, you know, from Ogden to Logan? Or is it a former <laughs> somewhere or back it, you know, I, Texas or what? It's, I mean, Jay Hill obviously is a candidate. The thing is, Jay Hill is kind of like where Gary Anderson was. He'd been at University of Utah. He went to Weaver State and now to here. And, and Gary had gone to Southern Utah before he went back to Utah and then came here. Uh, I'm My guess is, you talked about the background and, and, and athletic director John Hartwell. I think you'll look at that. Uh, we have an assistant athletic director who's now working with the, uh, John Hartwell all the time, who was from Weaver State, who knows Jay Hill very well. His name's got to be there. Obviously, with what's happening at BYU, there'd have to be some assistance there. And then, But I still think they'll look nationally and see guys who might be available who have been a head coach, but as John Hartwell said, head coach, not a head coach, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the perfect mix. He did a great job in hiring Craig Smith in basketball at Utah State, and I think he's hoping to do the same kind of thing when he really gets his way of hiring a football coach to do the same thing. All right, thanks to Al Lewis for his contributions on the status of Utah State football. Thanks to you for listening to the Believe Podcast Network and this Boise State football kingdom of pod. I always get breaking news out through my podcast or even on my Facebook page or YouTube channel. I'll have reactions to the Colorado State-Boise State game uh, Friday. So check your Facebook posts or however you get news from me on Boise State football And thanks for joining me on the Kingdom of Pod. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.